you know? Yes. The wondrous punch has arrived. Ooh, with two straws. So it could be like Lady and the Tramp. I love yes. it. Yes. Oh. Cheers, Robin Robinson. Hey, everybody, welcome down to this week's uh, Dive Bar Mitzvah. Hey, it's me, your friend Ian. What's happening, Hot Pants? Uh, it's uh, been an interesting week. I'm going to be honest with you. Shit's fucked up. It's just everything's everything's gone weird. Uh, there are people uh, protesting in the streets. Motherfuckers are getting shot. I don't know what happened. I thought I lived in boring-ass Minneapolis, uh, but apparently not. Uh, it's uh, it's the damnedest thing. So when, when something bad happens... I uh, always make it a point, you know, when the world's kind of going south, I make it a point to go to the Red Dragon, have a wondrous punch, and and do some deep thinking. And uh, that's what I'm doing today, but today I'm doing it with uh, my dear friend and confidant, uh, Robin Robinson is here. Hey, hon, how you doing? I'm good. You know, I'm I'm so stressed. I know. I'm glad we're here because it's been a hell of a week. Everything's fucked up. You know, all my... My shit inside has just been so twisted. Yeah. Just, just wrenched. And what is it like, um, for, I mean, I'm going to ask this from a number of different ways, but what is it like for you as someone who worked in the news industry for so long, seeing how it's covered? Do you think it's being covered well right now? I have a real problem with the way it's covered. And it being the protest in North Minneapolis, Black Lives Matter, the shooting of Jamar Clark. Yeah, just to give everybody a little bit of background on this. a little bit of background. Yes, I, I have a real way of an issue with the way the the language has been uh, formulated mm-hmm. uh, in telling people about what's going on. Uh, it, it took city pages uh, to really lay it out in the headlines, so people knew that this was a crime committed by three white men. Yeah, because two days ago there was a crowd yeah. of black people. The white supremacists showed up and started shooting people. Thankfully, not shooting them very well because everyone's alive. But right. I mean, it's just what the fuck. It, it's just amazing to me when you hear all of the conversation that a, a young man recorded. Uh, that's been going out on uh, uh, Twitter, and I, I think there's a couple other places that you can find it, where th- these young ladies talk about that they go after these guys who have been circulating and saying hateful things yeah. on the fringe of the, the gathering. And so when they went off to confront them, did not expect bullets to be flying No, past of course them. not. But the thing that really is striking is that they said it... All of a sudden, a white van pulls up, and riot police jump out. No one is addressing the people on the ground. They're immediately going after the crowd. So you have the situation that is already horrific being inflamed even more by not handling the situation very well. Um, But you think City Pages is doing a good job. City Pages did good in the language and explaining what the situation was. Uh, the the major networks as well as the Star Tribune and NPR did not in any way indicate that you know it was a crime of people that came from the outside yes. to the the sit-in that was happening at the fourth precinct. So it sounded as if it was, and people have heard it so many times, black on black crime, yeah, yeah, yeah. which would make anybody just tune out yeah of course you know and so i I have a way in which the headlines were structured and the way in which it was reported i i have a real problem i I heard on cbs news uh when the story came out they said 
in the Chicago shooting, uh, the, the young man that was shot 16 times by a police officer <laughs> yeah. in Chicago, instead of saying that the officer shot him 16 times, the news brief said that he was shot several times. Yeah. There, not, not several fully and getting 16 out. Yeah, an overkill situation a is a big damn difference. Yeah. And that was the point. It was overkill. Yeah. I mean, brutal that this man was killed, but it was overkill. Yeah. And I, I have my issues when uh, the full truth is not disclosed in a headline or in the body of the story. I think even uh, there was a story I heard uh, on CCO that uh, they gave the whole story without saying it was white supremacists. But in the tag that the reporter, uh, the anchor was reading, mm -hmm. that's where they, they placed yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and were you, uh, when you were, because you were at Fox for how long? 20 years. How much control could you have as an anchor to kind of like make sure those bits would end up in the story? And are, are, are anchors, I mean, because I think, cause I think a, a huge I think, responsibility I think for people, anchors. I think people are jaded and just kind of assume anchors are talking heads. Uh, but when they can actually kind of control the thrust of how something's being covered, do you think that our local anchors aren't doing their job? In, in any job, there's somebody who doesn't pull their weight. Yeah. So, you know, of course, there are some that are just talking heads, and they're, they're happy to collect a check and go home. But it is any uh, anchor's responsibility, because nowadays the anchor is usually the oldest one in the newsroom, yeah, yeah. Uh, and probably the one with the most experience, that they need to really be managing editors and really serve as a historian or reference exactly. or guide. Put things in context. And put things in context, exactly, uh, on how things happen in the community. And it's really important, too, that any good reporter, any reporter worth their salt, it doesn't matter if they're not from here or, or not, they will research the community and know what a history is. They'll ask questions. They'll, you know, they'll know to ask, has this ever happened before? Yeah. And get some background. Give some context of the story of to there's an ongoing negative relationship with the black community and Minneapolis mm -hmm. police so um, you know it it is it's the the anchors responsibility it's the reporters responsibility it's everybody in that newsroom's responsibility to tell the story fairly of what's happening yes. in the community and not just give a, a, a blurb you've got to give background well because whenever you like under report a story like this it ends up supporting the cops I mean and not to say mm -hmm. the cops should not be supported but mm -hmm. there's sometimes where let's be fucking honest they shouldn't so I mean I think when you dumb down the story it just makes it business as usual this is no big deal just move along right Right. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's when you are confronted with some realities and I think in, in looking at social media posts, there's a lot of my friends that said, you know, I wouldn't believe it. But here it is plain in black and white. It's in photos. I can see it on Twitter. I can yeah. see it in real time. I, I, you know, Literally in real time. I yeah. cannot deny that this is happening. So I think. A lot of people are waking up to, to what's really go gone on in, in, in the community that African Americans and people of color in general have really had to deal with. And, and being here and being able to observe it for, for 20 years, this is, you know, when I came here in 1990, the people were outside City Hall, in, you know, in the hundreds, almost thousands, yeah. to protest the death of Tysell Nelson, a 17-year-old mm -hmm. young man who was shot in the back by Officer Dan May. Uh, uh, and so many twists and turns with that. Again, the Justice Department called out. 
During that time, it was determined that uh, the African-American police officers were getting hate mail from the Ku Klux Klan. Jeez. Justice Department called out again. You know, and here we are 20 years later, and it's the same story. It's the same narrative. Yeah. Something is wrong. Did we move forward and, and fall back, or has it always just kind of been, this, the needle hasn't moved? I think the needle has wavered, but I don't think it's ever, go, you know, gone away. Uh-huh. I think now it's at its worst. Yeah. You know, but it's always been there. I, I, just around the same time when I came, just a, uh, maybe a, a year before, was the case of Smalley and Weeks, which was, again, uh, Minneapolis police received bad information on where a drug house was. They put, threw in smoke bombs and tear gas. The house ignited, killing an elderly couple. Mm-hmm. So all these things become cumulative, and things have been happening that have been cumulative in the African-American community. It, it's, the Fourth Precinct has always had a strained relationship with the community. Yeah. So things have ebbed and flowed throughout time. Now we're just at a period again where it comes when the whole world is watching yeah. around the country. There's, there's new technology that allows everything to be captured. Yep. And, and seen instantaneously seen around instantaneously. the world. So and now the cops we, just you know, don't seem to get it. their game together, though. I mean, it's just how. I mean, are, they, are we just seeing this, the parts where they look bad, or I mean, is this? I mean, is it an unfair way to? Because like, nothing's going to go viral unless somebody's being a dick. Uh, right. Does that give everything? Like, <laughs> does that give it a bad at a bad angle on them? I don't know. You know, I I think that uh, locally. Uh, there's always going to be a strained relationship with the African-American community, but it's not to say that good doesn't come out of the Minneapolis Police Department. A lot does. Yeah. You know, we're, we're very thankful to have a force where, in a city where the crime rate is really low compared to other cities, yeah. you know, and, you know, there there is good that is done, but I think that there's always those that are dicks yeah. that <laughs> are going to grab the spotlight because something happens that that gathers a, a mass groundswell of people saying enough yeah you know um and you mentioned chicago earlier that is where you're from and you yeah. actually have uh some roots uh you you had family members in the black panther party correct no oh i thought you said that on drinking with ian once no i have family members in the nation of islam nation of islam okay yeah um it's not to say that my parents didn't have friends that were yeah, in the yeah, Black yeah. Panther Party because I mean they they knew everybody and they were very politically active when we were in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad passed a couple of years ago, and it's a new Chicago. But at the time, you know, um, it was fascinating. We had a lot of really interesting people in the house. You know, had Kermit Coleman, who was one of the attorneys for the Chicago Seven. We went to school with his kids, and you know, the uh, head of the African American Patrolmen's League and. Oscar Brown and Judy Pace, who are artists and activists, and and this is a really interesting time to be in Chicago. Oh man, I it mean, was yeah, early seventies. Yeah, yeah, it was. And you were just a baby. I was a kid. Um, yeah, I I had to be. You know, this is all between the years of like when I was seven and ten. Mm-hmm. That it, you know, Chicago was really changing after the '68 Democratic Convention. Yeah. And uh, the you know the Daily Machine had such a strong grip on Chicago, but black people were starting to make inroads and in, into politics. Although they had to, they were a part of the Daily Machine, everybody had yeah. to kowtow. Mayor you, Richard Daly, of course, yeah. You started to see the inroads of people like John Stroger, who was a Cook County commissioner, and uh, Julia Fontan, who was uh, uh, I, I want to say she was a. 
Cook County uh, attorney at one point and went on to be a U.S. attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was uh, folks. Well, Jesse Jackson was starting to really come into power with uh, Operation Push. Yes. Um, it was just a really fertile time in Chicago, and there were a lot of very powerful people that were starting to come into their own and make national headlines uh, that were able to stand up to that daily machine. Yeah. You know, it was also around the time that, um, gosh, Fred Hampton was murdered. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the uh, head of the Black Panther Party in Chicago, mm-hmm. in Illinois. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a really interesting time to be a kid. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff that, I mean, and, and, and we're going to move on to happy stuff in a little yes, bit. But please, this, this episode's going to go Exactly. This episode's going to go a little long because you know. we're, we're just going to chat here a little bit. But how much did that influence your worldview? You're uh, you had a seven oh, year old kid. Yeah, I mean, that had to really make, you know, growing up, you know, you have a very, you know, unique preset of the world at that point. How yeah. much do you think it colored your life? Oh, very much so. I mean, I, I you know, I. I watched Watergate growing up on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a really formative time in, in, in the country's history. And my father was very active in politics. Uh, he was part of the Young Democrats. He you know, was part of the Sixth Ward. His best friend went on to become mayor, Eugene Sawyer. Okay. You know, so um, all, these, all these things colored my life because my father insisted that we know what was going on in the world around us, and my mother did too. And you know, my father would get magazines at home, and it was usually Time or U.S. News and World Report and Newsweek. And he expected us to read at least one of them yeah. during the week. That's great. And he expected us to watch the news. We watched, yeah, we were bad people. We watched dinner and and watched TV during dinner. But the news, but hey. we, we were supposed to watch. You know, we watched either the Huntley Brinkley Report, which shows how old I am. Yeah. Uh, Peter Jennings was a big anchor back yeah. then at yep. the time, and Walter Cronkite, mm-hmm. which is the name probably most people remember. Of course. And then, uh, so my father expected us to be able to talk about what was happening in the news. And, and you know, we'd turn the TV off and we'd, we'd have discussion. And so, you know, we went on a lot of political stumps with my father. All this, you know, it, what's interesting is my father was very conservative. My mother was uber liberal. Really? Yeah. And Lively it, dinner debates. It was just always very different points of view in our house. You know, and we were just expected to have a strong point of view and stand by what we said. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? Have so, conviction. you know, it, it made it difficult for my mom and dad because they'd have, you know, these parent-teacher conferences and, it, you know, they would be, you know, having extended conferences because of Robin. Because yeah. Robin would always challenge what a teacher would say. The teacher <laughs> would say something, I'd raise my hand and say, that's not true. No, that's just wrong. That's not true. My parents told me it's this, you know, and so they'd have to tell me to kind of tone it down yeah you know but this is what i saw you know and it was a fascinating time to be a kid yeah now this gives me a logical segue how much of uh watching cronkite jennings uh made you kind of follow the life path into being it it, really so i mean was this a was this a straight line or did you uh okay so you this was your you wanted to be an anchor growing up being a kid exactly what i wanted to do and it was for many reasons and one of them really was because there were not a lot of black women when I was growing up that did anything but sing or dance. Yeah. You know, it was Diane Carroll. It was Lola Falana. And that was really about it. I was going to be Leontine Price. I couldn't sing opera. You know, so women like Shirley Chisholm and Barbara Jordan and Bella Abzug and Gloria Steinem. Yeah. 
were fascinating to me. Bianca Jagger. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it was a certain kind of yeah. woman that really fascinated me. And I didn't see anybody really doing what I wanted to do. And I, it, I liked arts. I come from an artistic family mm -hmm. as well. And uh, there was nothing that really told me which way to go until the news kind of hit me. And yeah. it was a woman by the name of Carol Simpson. Okay. She was a weekend anchor on ABC. And it was an African-American woman. And ABC used to do this low sweep. It was a wide shot that they would do a low angle wide shot that would sweep up okay. to the desk that made it look like man you were just <laughs> you know <laughs> controlling this the, you yeah. know, the mothership and it was you know this beautiful set and this beautifully poised woman solo anchoring and she no was guy uh, on the her. on the chicago affiliate or no, she, no, was, this she was national. nationwide okay wow. national uh in fact her nephew is Mike Wilbon, pardon the interruption, ESPN. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I grew up with those guys. So, um, you know, here's this massive set, and it's, you know, the announcer says, it's ABC News Weekend with Carol Simpson. And, like, you know, there's no guy out there. It's just this it's woman, just Carol this Simpson. beautiful black woman that's in this amazing suit on this set. And it just comes to her, and she's just, good evening. I'm Carol Simpson. And it was an authoritative voice. And young Robin voice. Robinson said, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. Wow. It was just amazing to watch because she had the facts. She was in control. She was powerful. She knew history and current events mm -hmm. and science and arts. And she held her shit down. And that's what I wanted. Yeah. I didn't want to just sing and dance. And I'm a smart woman. And I stand toe to toe with anybody, and I want this. This yeah. is what I want. Yeah. Now, did you try to sing and dance in the meantime, though? I mean, you can't just jump directly from being a kid to being a news anchor. What? How? I mean, and now this is us kind of changing topic a little bit because yeah. I've seen some pictures on your Facebook where you're dolled up to the nines, uh, and you and you had time as a cheerleader, even uh, though you hate sports. I I didn't say I hate sports. It's just that I'm not a huge sports enthusiast. Yeah. I'm not a joiner per se. Mm -hmm. I love the atmosphere of sports. I love the crowd. I love the music. I love. All of the electricity of it, yeah, it's but just the, the actual, length of yeah. it is just dull, and much. I don't want to be there all afternoon doing that. Sorry. Did, did you ever do any anything on stage? I I did theater okay. um, in high school. I was very good. I did. What musicals. were some of your favorite roles? I was Mazeppa in Gypsy. Okay. I was Tup Tim in The King and I. I was the housekeeper in Man of La Mancha. Do you remember any of the Man in La Mancha songs? You got anything you can you can wow us with here tonight at the Red Dragon? Because oh, and I have that, yet to make mention, we do have a wondrous punch that we're going to share in due man, time. Man, Man in La Mancha, that's a, that. I mean, I was like what, thirteen? Or Gypsy, or yeah, whatever. Oh my God! I'm just putting you on the spot, Robin Robinson. I can't pull those out the hat like I used to. No, that's fine. Okay, top ten. I don't want to sing. No, okay. no, I got a drink. <laughs> I almost had. I got a drink. I got so Sorry. damn close. No, no. Um, uh, the opening number, all that jazz, Chicago. Yeah. 
I do a killer number of that after a couple drinks. Okay, well, we got a couple drinks in front of you, and we still have time on the clock here. So okay. we'll see what happens. All right. All right. We'll come back to that. Yeah. But, so, um, you did some theater growing up. I did up. theater, yeah. and um, I, I modeled. Oh, yeah. You know, that probably was, yeah, the thing I was probably most active in. Yeah. I did a lot of modeling in high school and college. Yeah. Mostly in Chicago. You know, no no big magazine stuff. I, my mother was just like, no, you're not going to do that. Really? That's crushed. You Your know? mom, the conservative one. Yeah, no, she wasn't that conservative. Oh, she's she a liberal. conservative okay. in some okay, things. Yeah, yeah. She, you know, well, my mother was really uh, an enigma. When she met my dad, she was studying to be a nun. So, And he had just come back from Korea. Okay. So... They were really complete opposites, but they were passionate about certain things. They were passionate about politics. They were passionate about education. And they were in Chicago Teachers College. He was back on the GI Bill. And they just, they clicked. You know, there was, you know they were complete opposites, but they clicked on certain things that were really important. And, and education really became a big deal, you know, in our house. My father was a principal in high school. My mother, oh, really? taught, okay. my mother taught in the project. She taught second grade for 36 years. Wow. And they were committed to education. And for us to get a better education than what Chicago Public Schools are offering, because mm -hmm. yeah. they suck. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, so uh, for most of our lives, we were kind of in private schools. We went to Catholic schools for the first few years, then all-girls schools, and then military school. Wow, you did military school, huh? Yep, and then went back for Catholic college. I'm Jeez. just a glutton for punishment. My God, really? I need discipline. I need Did you just explode discipline. out of these schools? Like, I mean, I can't imagine having to be, I mean, a hot model from Chicago, like going through this. I mean, did you, were you just horribly repressed? I was a wild one okay. back in the day. So even under those rules, you still managed to Oh, gosh, yeah. Shine. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, I think pretty much everybody I ran with was a wild one. I would imagine you so. Know? So, you know, we were this, it was an interesting group of young people at the time because uh, in the African-American community, you know, uh, the W.E.B. Du Bois talked about something like the talent in 10th, mm -hmm. which is a, a, a small microcosm of the African-American community that will be groomed to succeed. And uh, many black people strive for that. And, and so uh, you're groomed to join Jack and Jill, which is a group for young people of middle class means to meet other young people yep. of middle class means. You know, a lot of times your parents put you in schools where you, you, you're the only black kid in the class. So your yeah. parents put you in groups that so you can meet other black kids of means. You actually did uh, had your debutante balls. and Ooh, you, you had know, a debutante ball. Oh, my, my gosh, God. all that silly stuff. You know, but it's important in the black community. Yeah. You know, you join the Lynx, which is a service organization, or the, the black fraternities and sororities, mm -hmm. which have, you know, great history. Um these are things that, you know, the substrate of people that we hung out with. And so while we were groomed to go to college and be the best, we were some wild little motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we did all kind of crazy shit. Goddamn straight. <laughs> um, and I think you grew up and you, 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 you both became respectable and did some crazy shit on your own. My now, claim now, to fame is at 13, I got bounced by Mr. T. Yeah. Now, okay. I forgot about that story. I've heard this before. Yeah, you actually, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to actually, I'm going to have the, uh, the uh, virgin sip of this okay. uh, wondrous punch. Tell me if it's good, because it, it clashes with what I'm having. Yeah, you're having a, what are you having? You're having a Bailey's, Bailey's or you have a sip? Give it a shot. It okay. tastes exactly how I remember it when I was 19. Yeah. Mm. Mm. 
It's a lot of it's a lot of juice and rum. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's, that's not bad. No, then that's uh, something we haven't done on uh, dive bar mitzvah in a while. Where whoever we're at a bar that has a signature cocktail, uh, I, we and the guest have to at least try it a little bit. And I no, have a lot of history with the Wonders Punch. And both of us got ID'd today, which is great. I couldn't I, believe that. I, 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 I used to come here when I was 19 all the damn time. And I never got kind. ID'd once. Uh, can I get another PBR? Thank you. Just being kind. But I, I, I used to drink here when I was a kid. No one gave a damn. Now everybody's getting ID'd. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and this is this is the waitress right now. Oh no shit! Camel that, okay, that, cash? that dates Are you the story serious? right there. That's hysterical. I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. He had a big mullet. And, That's and, hysterical. And, and, and overalls. What was he or, doing yeah. with that stuff? Was he buying crap? Yeah, he was buying like. I mean, he's kind of slow. Oh, I guess. Yeah. But he liked camel cash. He liked so his camel it. cash. I would need keep to get him that well stocked in that yeah. shit. Totally, I would. Man. Most definitely. Yeah, no, it was, just, it was just recorded. Sorry, <laughs> it's spilling out into the world. Yeah, but I used to come out. here with my uh, idiot friends when I was just a kid, and we would uh, see how many uh, who could drink the most wonders punches. Really? And the answer ended up You'd being me, sick. and I got really, really sick. I think I did. I That's, think I did four in one night once. I'm not. I proud know there's of that some fact. rum in there, but it's just a bunch of sugary syrup it's a bunch on of top shit. of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, you're, you're, you're you 19, sick. 20 years old. You got to do something. You're 19 or 20. I can't even believe half the stuff I did in 19 or 20 yeah. because you know the stuff that you put in your body, the things that you did to your body. Yeah, and the people you put in your body uh, too is always bad. You, you know? went there. I yeah. didn't say that. I was a lovely shining flower of virtue. But and getting your ass busted by Mr. T. I want to hear this story. Oh, it was nothing really major. Because before before Mr. T was big and famous, he was a bouncer in Mr. Chicago. Mr. T was a bouncer at Dingbats, which was the hot club downtown Chicago. All right. And I had been sneaking in there because I was about five seven, five eight. Mm-hmm. You know, you put on some heels and some makeup. Worth the you climb look old too. enough, yeah. right? You know. So, naughty boy. So, it didn't get past me. That didn't get past me. So, so you know, I would go down there, and I was fine. But I took some friends, and some friends from high school, and one of them brought a cousin from out of town. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, she's the, the country who, bumpkin yeah, cousin. Blew the you know, scene for she everybody. She blew it because she didn't have her ID out, and then she got called back, and then she put out her high school ID. Ugh. So, we all got dragged back. And so it would have been the end of it, but, you know, I was feeling my Wheaties because, yeah. uh, you know, at that age you do. Yeah. And so I decided to get into Mr. T's face, and no, I've no, no, this never is, no, been is this put out on, of here. Is this full-on mohawk? Did he have a mohawk at this point? Was he wearing the oh, chains? Oh, yeah, he was. The, so he looked the same. He did, but it wasn't as extreme. But still, you got in that guy's face. Yeah. And Okay. Because and so I joined was the, feeling my Wheaties. Feeling your Wheaties. At, at that age, I was just oblivious to sense. You know, it was just, <laughs> I was working on complete instinct. Yeah. And just... You know, just spitting. So, and and and, and 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 we pick up the story midway. So you run up to Mr. T and say, "No, so no, no, like, no, 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 no! I'm in here all the time. Everybody knows me. I don't have to show you any ID. I'm not leaving. <laughs> la la la. You know, I you know, full on neck roll fingers. Yeah. You know, just la la la. And he just finally looked at me. He's like, "Little girl, go the fuck home." <laughs> And I went home. Yeah. You know, pissed though. I would because imagine. my friend's cousin fucked you know, up everything my, for you. Up you had a good scene. thing. And yeah. you know that they're going to go back and say she's 13, you know, yeah, yeah, la yeah. la la, whatever. I don't think it was 13, maybe 16, 16. 13 does seem a 16. bit young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was going out early. And normally it's because I was a beard for most of my friends. 
Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, most, you know, at that point, early they wanted to a, they wanted a fourteen year old beard. I don't know if that's doing you many favors. Uh, yeah, well, you you know, at that point in Chicago, it, it, people were not out. You were still getting yeah. picked up by the cops and beat okay. up, and you know, there was maybe one bar, which was Carol's Speakeasy, which was probably the only place that you could go openly and just you know be yeah, yourself. And exactly. so, I mean, you can imagine what it's like to be. 16, 17, 18 years old and gay, but now you're African-American and gay. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, your parents have expectations. So the girls that you know, Mm -hmm. and if they seem down and fun, and you know that they're down and fun, you take the chance and say, we're going to go out tonight. They take you out. You see what out is. Mm -hmm. You learn to keep your mouth shut if you want to go out and have fun. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So, you know, these guys all would take me to their parents' house and they'd, you know, my parents knew their parents. It was a very small community. So, you know, they're like, oh, she's a good girl. I know Barbara Robinson and Ronald Robinson. Yes, go out. Yes. And then they're on the phone. She's in military school, for Christ's sake. girl, your daughter was here tonight. She's out with my son. Mm. La, la, la. Everybody's happy. We're up on the north side. Lesbians are buying me drinks at the bar <laughs> while my friends are off doing whatever yeah, right. they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Only once we got in trouble because it got raided and we had to go to the precinct and somebody had to come pick up everybody yeah. and they weren't out to their parents. So it had to be my mom. So she had to be so your mom kind of chill, but kind of. Your mom knew. Well, that's, well, that's it. I mean, you know, yeah. for being the conservative to a one. Point. Well, yeah, yeah. That meant. I couldn't go out for six months, Ooh, yeah. but she didn't divulge but she covered, any secrets. she covered right. the story. All right. right. I'm going to have some more of this punch. No, have some more Wondrous Punch, Robin Robbins. Uh, which, which Zodiac are you? I am a dragon. I believe. I'm a dragon. What is a dragon? Uh, well, a dragon is I am an eccentric. Oh, uh, you are eccentric true. and your life is complex. You have a very passionate nature and uh, abundant health. Marry a monkey or rat in late in life and avoid the dog. That is none of me. Sorry, you're not. You're saying you're not. You don't have a passionate nature. Oh, Virgos do, but we're reading Chinese I'm a Virgo. Zodiac. I'm a Virgo too. Oh, so August we have 27th. lots to talk about. August 27th, September 9th. Look at that. Same, but more like brothers, never good lovers. Thanks, Rob. No, I'm just saying Way it's to the truth. Me out. Yeah, okay. Virgo men and Virgo women are very, very similar. I dated a Virgo, a fellow Virgo for. Two and a half years, twice we broke. We, yeah, we dated for two and a half years. We broke up for like six years, and then we dated again for another two and a half years. I have, but oh. it was probably more sisterly. I mean, I guess I should have realized that at the time. I'm gonna keep it very, very basic here. I have, a, <laughs> I have a hoe in a different area code that is a Virgo. Yeah, and we have been friends for about, oh my God, since the maybe. Uh, 94, 95. But if he's in town, I will throw dishes down in the sink and run. Really? Because we have a great time when we're together. Mm -hmm. But we are so competitive. I mean, everything for him has to be one-upmanship. Yeah. And after about maybe 10 minutes, I'm sick of your ass and I'm done. And it's like, yeah, that's why I broke up with you. Yeah. But you but miss whenever, them when they're not there. And then when they show up, they you know, show it's a good time. Up, it's a great time. But after a while, but it gets old. But after a while, it's just like, mm, two yeah. Virgos don't work together. Yeah, that's but we will come back and see each other again and again and again. We're very yeah. good at that. You We're know what? loyal. And yeah. No, I that see way. that. I, I definitely can see that because that's kind of <laughs> what happened with her and I. 
Uh, but where are you? You're uh, now. I'm an ox, baby. You're an ox. Now that means you're bright, patient, and inspiring to others. That's very true. I guess. Uh, you can be happy. <laughs> you can be happy by yourself. Yes. You think that's true? All right. Yet make an outstanding parent. That is true too. Do you think you could be an outstanding parent? I know I would be. I choose not to be, mm-hmm. and that was a very deliberate choice. But I know that I would be a good parent. I, you know, I, I really do, do believe that having a military school background and being raised by a semi nun is really the good semi-nun. for structure. Yeah. And I like structure. I like, you know, I, I probably have a very old school way of believing in. Not sparing the rod and yeah, and kind of spoiling the child, but there's a lot of carrot and stick. Yeah, I believe in. And we're coming off, and since we're at the Red Dragon, of course, they have the Chinese zodiac placemats here. That's I'm not just doing this for memory. No, oh, yeah. and by the way, you should marry a snake or a cock. One, two, three, in the top. Oh, is this? Is this? Truly is this the new, you. Is this the new Prince song? No, this I can't is hear Ancient it. Prince. What is, oh, okay. Oh, we God. Should, I should marry who? Uh, you should marry a snake or a cock. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, Either way, a cock. The sheep will bring trouble, which the is true. Which is true trouble? with life and po- it was true with life in general. What is up with sheep that well, they bring trouble? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even know sheep. Was oh, a sign. elegant, creative, right there. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, never the ox. Never, no. never. What's wrong with the ox? Ox, you know. Okay, honestly. I don't know, but do you? Th- okay, so you're bright, patient, inspiring to others. Would you would you think that's a correct assessment? I guess. Are you happy by yourself? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Maybe there's some truth to I've, this. Shit. I've had actually somebody read me about the fact that it's like, why you cut yourself off from people and love and all. And I was like, I haven't. I just, you know, I I like me. Yeah. I like my time. You know, it it really does kind of take somebody really special for me to just kind of go. Oh, okay, I'll put this crap aside and yeah. hang out with you. See, we're similar, but I'm, I am I do a lot of the same. I pretty much put the world off, but I always have somebody. Like, yeah, I have a girlfriend who I'm living with mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that. So, I mean, no one will see me, and then I'll, but I'll just hide out for months, but I'll always oh, that's have me. somebody. But I always have, like, kind of somebody. Not necessarily a hoe in a different area code, but, I yeah. went through the hoe in different area code thing for a while, but I, yeah, I like a you, steady you, boyfriend. You, you said that in, the, in a present tense when you said it, Robin. Did, well, did I? You said I have a hoe in a different. I thought you. Did. Well, he's somebody that shows and pops up, but yeah, he's, okay. yeah, you yeah. know, I the wondrous him. punch brings out the truth, Robin. Yeah, I keep saying I have to write a book, but I can't write a book until these people die. Yeah, because they're people of interest. You know, this particular person I really love hanging out with because an adventure with him is like a global. Worldwide adventure. I wish, yeah, I wish I had the pockets to have global, worldwide adventures with people. Like I can't do it. Like I mean, I, I want to be the guy that shows up with some special lady off their feet in a different city. We go to Paris, Greece, wherever, and uh, that would be amazing. I ain't got the pockets for it though. I'm too broke. You know, it's. Sad. Could you ever date a broke guy, Robin Robinson? In your life, have you ever dated broke people? Yes. Really? Yeah. That surprises. But it doesn't surprise Why? me. It doesn't surprise me. But. It's I went through my period where I only dated men of means yeah. and men of prominence and all that. But that's a young girl. Young girls do them things like okay, that. Okay, so the older, the, the, when you get As a little older. As I got older, older, I went through a, a musician phase. Yeah. Um, and I know you, you didn't date Prince. No. At least not that you're going to talk about. You did. You, he did make you breakfast at once, though, right? No. I thought he, you said that on Drinking with Ian. Damn it. No, I need to watch my old episode. I showed up while he was cooking for a, a, a young woman he was trying to romance. Mm-hmm. And he was back when, about 2000 or so, he kind of was like, 
I told him I had an art gallery, and he was like, do you sell black art? And I was like, I, I, if I have a black artist, you should sell African-American art. And he just kind of went <laughs> off on me. So I brought him a Takumba Aiken piece one day because I was just like, If he's being an asshole, know, bring him some art. That's as they I say. I brought him yeah, some yeah. art, right? And I just happened to show up, and one of the guys were like, oh, just go on in the back. And he was courting this lovely woman. I mean, I she, was just, so. she was just legs for days. Mm. And she was just this beautiful, rich, like the color of this table, like this chocolate. And mahogany. Mahogany. And her legs were oiled. And she just, I mean, she she didn't say anything, but she had this exotic no, look, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's standing in this kitchenette cooking. In Prince clothes. Yeah. You know, so when you see someone in Prince clothes. Now, how much work does Prince need to do? I wouldn't imagine Prince would need to, A, wear the Prince outfit, B, cook food. I figure pretty much if you're a lady and Prince has his eyes on you, well, guess what? It's going to happen. I don't think Prince, like, wears jeans and flannel shirts. No. I don't think. That would look weird. Prince wears Prince clothes 24-7, I think, you know. Well, any... Any clothes he wears would be Prince clothes. I guess so. Yeah, he would have a flair to bring it out. But you went through a musician phase. Yeah, I went through a musician. I I dated someone who played with Prince. Okay. And I also which is a wide pool in this town. There's a that's a big pool. That's why I'm keeping it vague. I also dated someone who worked for Prince but did not play for Prince. Yeah. Uh, and now, was it mostly in the uh, funk R&B vein, or did you ever uh, dare to date a musician who played anything uh, a little bit rougher? Rougher, I dated uh, Vinny Signorelli, who was the drummer for Unsane. That was actually in my note right there. How did you like that? <laughs> totally. I had Unsane written down. And look, I made it seem so organic. Vinny was one of the uh, and they're on masters a- of they're noise on rock. Yeah, yeah he was on Anrap. Yeah. That's how we met. Yeah. Um, and, how, and how was that? What was the difference between, you know, dating an Anrap guy and dating a Prince guy? Um... Light years. Really? Light years. Okay. Uh, you date a Prince guy. This you is know. like a New York, LA kind of story. Like, what's the difference between A and B? But okay, so you date a Prince guy. You date a Prince guy. You stay at ritzy hotels. You have an entourage. There's celebrities that show up. Yeah. All that kind of crap, right? Uh, you date a guy who's an, one of the originators of noise rock. You're at CBGB's. The toilet has sick on the floor. Uh, yeah, I've been. Um, I, I was. I, I visited the, the toilet in CBGB's. Yeah, a couple times. you're hanging it's out nothing. with Exine and yeah, uh, Exine Cervenka from X. Yeah, right. You know that that that's the. It's a it's a huge difference. Which which do you look back more fondly on? They're both amazing. But are you in your quiet moments of solitude that you sometimes have, as we all do, Robin? You have to think back fondly about one a little bit more than the other. Let me be diplomatic. Okay. Um, you know, each each were. I, I would say there was less drama with the noise rock crew. Really? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I guess I could see that. Yeah. Totally. But the because they're happy when a hot girl yeah. shows up. Let's be honest. If you if you're around Are Prince, you they just they, kind of expect it. No, noise rock guys get their get their share. Is that so? Okay. Totally. Right. Totally. Vinny was a great guy. I mean, it was. Um, I think it was probably one of the most uh, the times where they're most con- commercially successful. Okay. They had this great song out called Scrape, and they had this excellent video, and it made MTV. And I was covering arts and entertainment when I was doing The Buzz. Yeah, I was on The Buzz. Yes, you were. Yeah, yeah you were in my living room. You know what? I have covered probably so many people in this town. I, You know, I and the Slug, buzz was a, uh, when was Slug a fa- was, was like a, was the Fox 9 kind of thing. 
Uh, no, I'm just giving a little background. Fox 9's art thing was the buzz that you hosted. Yeah, well, actually, you know, I, uh, it was the first of its kind. It was yeah. preceded a lot of, yeah, baby. It preceded a lot of what we have now in terms of entertainment coverage in mm-hmm. the Twin Cities. And uh, it was really just about celebrating who we are as Minnesotans. Yeah. It wasn't a critique thing. It wasn't no, a it gossip was a, it was a or celebration anything. thereof. It was a really celebration. And I would say that the mid-90s, was still a very fertile time for music yeah. and arts in the Twin Cities. So, it, you know, it was very easy to get caught up. And so uh, it, it was just a crazy, crazy time. And, and who all did you interview? You mentioned Slug, a young slug. A I mean, very you, young you probably, slug. Because, and, I mean, in Fox 9 calls, and you're just some jerk like I was, I'm like, hell yeah, I want to do this show. When can we do it? Can we do it right now? Please, yeah. oh, please. Yeah. I mean, and then we're hanging out in my living room. And it's getting taped for Fox. I know. I mean, who I still have say? that on videotape somewhere. I know oh, I do. An infant Janie Winterbauer. Oh, yeah. I love Janie. Fojean. Yeah. Usia uh, and uh, uh, Greasy Meal. And I mean, God, there were so many bands and so many people. Anna Vu. Yeah. And. Uh, Oh my gosh! But I mean, everybody were, but on I mean, the AmRep label, everybody exactly, on the yeah, Twin Tone because label, you had a connection there, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Steve Greenberg, and yeah, Funky Town, Funky Town, and Lip all sake. these people. It was it was just really a good time uh, being in the Twin Cities. And it was and one of the few legitimate ways that uh, someone doing art in town could get mainstream exposure. Yeah, you could get written up in city pages. You could get a blurb in the reader way back when. But the buzz did a lot of good for a lot of people because you're getting you. beamed into not, I mean, you know, into everyone's living room all of a sudden. And that's something an artist really rarely can transcend to. No, and, you know, I, I think it, it kind of was a strange thing for a lot of artists because people had never seen that before. And I'm going downstairs in the basement of the Uptown Whatever, Bar Stumhold, and yeah. getting interviews with Adam Levy and the Honey yep. Dogs and, you know... Uh, and then the surreal things that happened, like George Clinton rubbing my feet. Really? During an interview so at First Avenue. Why does that not surprise me? It, it, I had some crazy adventures now back in those days. Who's the most famous person who've t- who's touched you? Prince. Okay. Yeah. But, he, but I mean, not in a foot massage kind of way. He oh, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. No, Prince is, uh, you know, I, I don't think that I would have half the things that happened to me in, in my career here in the Twin Cities if it wasn't for, for Prince. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people say that, but he was incredibly generous to me. Oh, really? So, so not just in reflection that he brought more attention to the scene, he actually helped you out. Well, in many ways. Really? I okay. Mean, at, I didn't know that. At one point, he would only give me interviews. Yeah. And he wasn't okay, talking to anybody. I guess I didn't anybody. know that back in the day. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think I had the third or fourth interview ever with Prince in his career at no, one shit. time. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it was an amazing thing for him to be so generous to me. And it happened because uh, Channel 9 gave me a talk show. And one of the segments I wanted to do was on my tag. And Maite and I became friends because I was dating someone in the band. Yep. And we were all going out one night. And so I was also friends with a lot of girls on staff who were like stylists and hairdressers for Prince and yep. stuff. And so we'd all go out together and uh, where, we'd go to South Beach. <laughs> <laughs> I remember and South so Beach. Uh, one night, Maite turns to me and she goes, Prince is going to let me have my own dance company, but we're only going to dance to Prince music. And I was like, okay. that's cool. Sure, yeah. And she said, would you do an interview with me? And I was like, I would love to do an interview with you. So we had it all set up. And long story short, at the last minute, Prince changed his mind, didn't want her to do it. Okay. 
because he knew that they're going to ask about the baby that died yeah. and all that, and he didn't want to no. get into it. And CJ had been a real shit to him. Billy Jack, bitch. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that was a great song, too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I yeah. love that song. If you're going to get slammed, at least he wrote, wrote a At good least song a about good it. one. Yeah. Don't have to be a shit song. He said he wrote a good song to hate you on. So, um, uh, you know, he, he tried to stop the interview. I finally told her, I was like, look, um, I'm, I'm going to keep it as real as I possibly can. She kept putting me off, and, and we had things to do. I mean, we were sitting there for hours, and she just wouldn't agree to sit down. Yeah. You know, my photographer's getting mad at me. It's like, we got to go if yeah. we're not going to make this happen. You know, and I was determined to get this interview. So I just pulled her aside, and I said, listen. I'm listen. Be- yep. <laughs> that sounds Listen. <laughs> and, you know, again, I'm still feeling my Wheaties. My Wheaties. Yeah. So I said, listen. This is not an interview about what you wear, what color panties you wear with your man. Yeah. And her eyes got huge. I was like, this is about you. This is your opportunity to be you without exactly. him. Yeah. And she thought, I looked for a minute, she looked down and she goes, okay. And she sat down and she was ready. It was all, you know, it must be hell to be Mrs. Miss Prince, Prince. Nelson, yeah, yeah. Rogers Nelson, yeah, yeah. Whatever, you know. Uh, so. This was an opportunity for her to do something that was going to give her limelight away from him. Mm-hmm. And she finally just sat down and did it. And it was it was nerve-wracking because Paisley Park kept calling every five minutes Oy. asking to see it. Because they, you know, they're litigious out there. Damn if he don't like are. it, he's going to sue your ass. Yeah. So I kept putting him off going, oh, it's not done yet. Oh, it's not done yet. And then finally, you know, it was done. They're like, we want to see the copy of it before it hits air. And I knew he would squash it. If it did, you know, if you didn't like it, so I kept lying. Oh, we sent it. We sent the courier. Yeah. It didn't get there yet. <laughs> it should be on its yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kept saying it over and over. I don't know what's going on. We're gonna have to fire this courier. <laughs> and finally, it was too late for him to try to pull it. Yeah. And it went on the air. He liked it. Thank Good. God. Yeah. And then after that, he but goes. But I'm sure he did not like having to watch it on air with the rest of the oh, plebs. Oh no, I'm sure he didn't. But he called up and he invited me out and he. He personally, he walked up and he shook my hand. He goes, you were very fair to my wife. Would you like to do an interview with me? No shit. And that, that's how it happened. Then what was, I mean, in, in, inside Robin Robinson at that moment, what happened? I mean, I would have just. The exterior of yeah, Robin yeah, was, was so cool. Yeah, like, she was right, just yeah. so cool. Let me see if I, I can like, fit you in. Yeah, that would be cool. You know, and inside I'm going. <laughs> you know, I was just lost my fucking mind. But yeah, actually I got a tattoo. Because what? of it. Wait, what? You got a tattoo of what? I have a tattoo that I got because I had this amazing event in my life happening, which was Prince gave me an interview. At that point, no one had talked to Prince. Wait a second. So where's the tattoo? Come on. There are very few people that know where this tattoo is. Can I see it? No. I won't tell anybody where it is. No. No. Can you give me it's a, a general vicinity of where it is? Upper half, lower half? Oh. <laughs> lower. Lower. Okay. Can you draw the tattoo? No, t- I draw won't. Draw the tattoo. No, no, no. What's the tattoo Oh, okay. Up? The tattoo. Here. The tattoo is a pre-Columbian walking stick. Oh, as one would assume. Well, the reason I got it is because... It also represents, um, 
it, it, it's also a, 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 a rattle for the shaman okay. that conduct the dance for the gods. Okay. And uh, at that point, I was so insane that I was I got this uh, got this uh, interview with Prince that I started saying to myself. Yes, All right, I'm going to take a picture of That's you, this. Robin. I'm, I'm going to take a picture of this and put it on you Twitter. You are. You're a shaman for the gods. You keep the rhythm of the dance. You're keeping the rhythm of the dance for Prince, and you are his shaman. Yes, yes, he's the god. So, yeah, I lost my mind no at shit. one point. No shit, my God. That's, and I got that's this intense. tattoo. That's yeah. intense. Well, I'm an intense girl. No, I know, but I mean, but, yeah, but that doesn't mean you get a tattoo of a shaking stick every damn time. Well, I felt it was appropriate. This is okay, so that's what it looks like. All right. Well, I'll, I'll this is going to well, I'll take a picture of your drawing of it cuz I can't take a picture <laughs> of the actual tattoo because you're a prude. Yes, I am a prude. I'm going to try to I'm going to try you, to work this. You forget this. I'm the daughter of a semi nun. Man, this must be someplace great. This must be somewhere really good. It, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. There's only a few people in the Twin Cities who have seen it, so yeah. I got no follow-ups right now. Oh, my God. I, I'm blushing on my own podcast, Robin Robinson. All right. Give me a number between <laughs> one and ten. Actually, give me a number between one and five as you have a sip of the Wonders Punch. Mm. Uh, six. Between one and five, you were six. Of course you did. Of Sorry, course you did. Cut me off. One and five? One and five. Yeah, because it's usually one to ten, but everybody always goes six to ten. So give I me like one to five. four. That's a nice number. Four. All right. Now, this is what we do every week here on Dive Bar Mitzvah. This is the James Lipton question. I'm Ooh. going to read a classic James Lipton question as read on Inside the Actors Studio. All right. And you said number four, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. What turns you off? Creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, bullies. I don't like bullies. Okay. Um, uh, I, I, what turns me off? Um, people who have a hive mind mentality. Yeah. They need est or something to get through life, you know? They need what? Est or something. Est? Yeah. Remember est? Ba- From the uh, yeah, 70s or 80s, barely, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what turns me off? Emotionally, um, creatively, or spiritually? Mm. Oh, gosh. Will I alienate a whole segment of the Twin Cities if I say some of these things? Yes. Nobody nobody um, listens to my podcast, Rob. Yes, they do. Uh, gosh, you know, that's that's a difficult question. I, I don't, I, I, I think, number one, I really do not like bullies. Yeah. And, and there are I don't like misogynists. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's racist, somebody who gives that's homophobes. Someone who, that's okay. someone who gives a massage professionally, right? A massage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can go through the ist list yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of things, but personally, it's kind um, of a don't be an asshole list. I, I don't. I really can't get with people who um, who hide themselves. Okay. Who, you know, are secretive. I don't like secretive people. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm very much an open book. And you're not showing been. me the tattoo though. No. You're being secretive. Mm, that's one thing. The mirror secretive. is being held up. Okay. Well, give me like fifty dollars. You can see it. All right. I'll give you fifty dollars. Give me fifty dollars. Right. I'm not joking. I'm from Chicago. It's all about cash. All right, fifty bucks. Right all right. There. You think I'm gonna give this back? You think I'm gonna leave without seeing the tattoo? Seriously? I like money. <laughs> <laughs> now we're at the point where I'm 
consciously editing this going, can we put this out? <laughs> Is this a crime? What we're doing? You I don't just know where the, I don't see something. I, well, I don't know where the where it is. <laughs> I'm taking a picture with my 50 bucks. No, too, by you the way. can't. You okay. can't take a picture. All right, all right. Can't take a picture. Okay. I'll show you. Show me. Robin Robinson's about to show me her 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 hidden tattoo. And I'm taking the money back. Look at that. All right. Okay. Okay. I saw it. I'm not giving you your money back. No. Did you take it? I took it back. <laughs> I hit it. I hit it. I'll tell you, a deal's a deal, no, though. A no, deal's I, a deal. I just saw I, I can't tell anybody where it's at. Now, I'm sworn no, to the secrecy because you, you just bought it back because you didn't take the money. So now I can't tell anybody about Ian's it. Ian's girlfriend, I really do like you, and I, I that was just that was just for no, no, it a wasn't, podcast. No, you're making it seem... All right. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so what else do we have now? Let's get into the present on Robin Robinson. You are at the airport, and I swear to God, somehow you managed to find jobs that I didn't know existed, and they're the coolest <laughs> fucking jobs ever. Tell it me what you're doing cool now. Job. Tell everybody I what you're doing now. I am director for Arts at MSP. We are part of a nonprofit, which is the Airport Foundation. And basically what I do is I work in tandem with the MAC to create areas uh, to, of developing uh educational and artistic uh, uh, artistic events for, for the traveling public and so, for the community as well. But you're kind of visually in charge of many of, of kind of the uh, a, a traveler's look at our airport. I mean, the stuff that sticks out is always going to be the art. You're not going to notice the carpet. You're not going to notice the tram. You're making the experience there much better, don't you think? I mean, that's kind of what your job is, ultimately. It really is. Uh, at this point, there are almost a dozen uh, airports in the U.S. that have been designated uh, arts airports and arts museums inside airports. Mm -hmm. And I really want uh, the Twin Cities to be in the middle of that pack. Uh, we have an outstanding airport, but, you know, but we're growing constantly. There are so many people that are coming into the Twin Cities, for whether for business or for uh, uh, to relocate their lives, uh, that the airport is growing. And as we grow, we also want people to recognize that Twin City is more just snow. You know, we're not flyover. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, there's a, there's you know, you know we're not looked at favorably no, by the coastal kids. But we have the sixth largest theater market in the country. You know, no, most people don't know that the Lion King was staged here before it went to Broadway. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We have award-winning uh, musicians with the the orchestra and the chamber orchestra. We have people that have all reaches into the entertainment industry that have decided to make this their home. From Brian Setzer, the Stray Cats, mm -hmm. to Pat Proft, who grew up here of Airplane and Naked Gun fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we've got uh, hip-hop giants here, Dessa yeah. and Slug of Atmosphere. We've got people that are involved in the dance and theater community that are known internationally. And so most people don't know that. And it's my job as the person who directs art at the airport to be the gateway of arts culture for the entire State and what's some of the what's some of your favorite stuff that you've put out there? Oh my Because you've been on this for what two years now? About? Two years okay. now. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, we did the first national uh, exhibition that they had done with uh, local artists. It was called Renewal, and it was really a beautiful show. Uh, it was artists from all the way up towards Duluth, all the way down to Red Wing, and really focused on the fact that while people think that we're all about snow. 
when that snow melts, there's a certain fertility that really goes into the soul of the Minnesotan that uh, we really bond with the earth in a very different way than most people. It really is almost like a call back home for many people who don't even live in the Twin Cities. Yeah. But they will do the thing that Minnesotans, it is just part of the nature to go up north, go to the cabin, go yeah, to the lake. Exactly. And when you do that, it's a touchstone to who you are. It's a chance for Minnesotans to come back and have that uh, bonding with family, to fish, bond with the water, to uh, plant, bond with the earth, or take their artistic skills and recreate it in such a way that they use the earth in pottery or their visuals through photography, capture a place and a moment. We are such a creatively fertile place and an artistically fertile place. and. A fertile place. This is just wildlife up here that we have just exactly. deemed a yeah. city. It's not. It, it is really just the outback yep. that we have semi-tamed. Barely. You yeah. know, and it's an amazing place. And that show was really well received. We got our first national recognition. Really. And then from that, we just went nuts. We got you know. And what's going on right now? What can uh, I mean? Because the travel season is upon us. Oh man. What do we got going on at the airport right now? Hot. It's time for the holiday performance series. Ooh. And uh, it's gone from like when I took it over, it was like Bloomington Jefferson kids singing carols. Now we've got major acts at the airport for the the time between Thanksgiving and December. We have the Minnesota Dance Theater. They're coming out to do excerpts from the Nutcracker. Uh, we have Laura Caviani, who will do Christmas jazz standards. Greater Twin Cities Youth Symphony will be performing. Uh, the McNally Smith kids will come out and do carols. We have the Minnesota Opera performing, uh, and then the Flying Foot Forum, which is another uh, locally based national dance company, is coming out to do something. So, I mean, it is going to be a hot holiday season. Uh, it start things that we're doing are starting to get picked up by USA Today and New York Times, and it's it's all coming into place. I mean, my vision really is to make us an internationally known uh, airport for the art and performance art that we do out there. And uh, I just see great things that are really starting to take off already. Well, that's spectacular, and I'm so damn happy I know somebody who has such a sweet-ass job. Man, I'm what a, you know, a lucky I girl. Mean, you're, you're, you're constantly a Who working. has two in one lifetime, I know, right? right? You well, know, I mean, you have at least four going on right now sometimes, it seems. Well, you know what? It's really just kind of thinking about things and thinking about how these things can lead to other things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, working at Channel 9 was a wonderful opportunity, and I'm really, really thankful because it gave me the opportunity to open my own art gallery, Flatland, up in yep. Northeast, you know. And we did really great shows that got national recognition. That parlayed really into me having connections with people now that are at the L.A. County Museum of Art and at MoMA in New York. And my artists have gone on to do great things like Kai Ahrens, who was with Flip. Yep, yep. Now he's a big hit in L.A. And uh, Edith Garcia, who's doing great things in San Francisco and internationally. She was in London for a while. So, I mean, I'm really pleased because those things went on the resume and it led to this new gig. Yeah. So it's just kind of thinking about the things that you do while you're at, you know, in one stage of life that gives you the opportunities to do something else. And that's really what happened. Channel 9 gave me the opportunity to do many things 
that were not always news related. Yeah. And so I've been able to parlay those things into this new phase in my life. I'm really thankful. Yeah, I mean, and I guess this is the season to be thankful. And I mean, God, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm, I, I'm proud to know you, and I'm happy to have you as a guest today, Rob. And thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me today. Is that I, it? We're I, done? I think we're done. I think we did a good job. We can't I keep think talking. We, I, I think we, we can keep talking. Yeah, we can keep talking all day. Can we like do like you know the Daily Show where they have like another cast that you can listen to the rest of the shit that people are talking yeah, about? Yeah, we could have the part two. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's keep talking. Let's just keep going. Isn't that the line from Thelma and Louise? Let's yeah. just keep going. <laughs> but before we uh, uh, ride this hey. off a cliff, uh, let me talk about my sponsors real quick. Uh, Yay, sponsors. Well, we have one car service, driving smiles that extra miles. Call 612-545-5848 for a ride or find them on Facebook. Program it in your phone, 612-545-5848. Get your drunk ass home exactly. with these people. Yeah, damn straight. That's the way to do it. Uh, Stand Up Records. We like our comedy like we like our booze. Straight up and bitter. Check them out at StandUpRecords.com. <laughs> we got new records out all the damn time. And be sure to find them on your Roku. Uh, if you don't have a Roku, go buy one because they're awesome. And there's a full Stand Up Records channel there where you can see all the episodes of Drinking With Ian, or at least the ones that are out there, and other stuff that's actually worth watching. Uh, what's up next? PBR, add extra flair to those leisure time activities. Put original Pabst Blue Ribbon in the picture. People of good taste naturally go for its old-time beer flavor. Original Pabst is brewed as it was when it won the Blue Ribbon in 1893. So next time... It still tastes that way. Yeah, it still tastes like 1893. (laughs) Put yourself in the picture. Enjoy original Pabst Blue Ribbon. And uh, our most latest, most recent people who are our sponsors... FGC Creative. Uh, attention, uh, bars and bands. If you're looking to get the most out of your marketing budget, we've got the deal of the year for you here at Dive Bar Mitzvah. Uh, FGC will custom design a shirt with your logo and screen printed on the best shirts around. And here's the deal. You say that you heard about this on Dive Bar Mitzvah and you get them for five bucks each, which is a stone deal. There's no design fees, no setup charges, and free shipping. Find them on Facebook or at FGCCreative.com. And they made um, our Dive Bar Mitzvah shirts that you can get off me Ooh, this week. Can at, I get one? Yeah, I'll, I got some out in the car. Cool. Yeah, I think it's only fair. I showed you my... Hey, I can't. I'm going to have to beep that. I'm going to have to beep that because no one knows where it is. That's true. Okay. All right, I'm going to have about. to beep that. But yeah, uh, show up to Tribiasco this Tuesday at Clubhouse Jaeger. Get a shirt. Show up to the match game this Thursday at Lee's Liquor Lounge. Get a shirt. Just walk up to me and say, hey, I heard about the great deal from FGC Creative, and I want one of those sweet shirts, and I will happily hook your ass up. Everybody, Robin Robinson. Hey. I love you. I love uh, you. You know Happy what? Happy As I said to a friend of mine, uh, last week when I was telling her that we had a podcast coming up, I told her I wish that I was 10 years older, she was 10 years younger, or that she didn't care that I was 10 years younger. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty much my exact feelings. I love you, Robin. Thank I you love very you too, much bro. for doing the podcast. Thank you so much. Everybody, that was Dive Bar Mitzvah this week. See you this next time. Great. Oh, and thanks, Red Dragon. Thank you for not Thank kicking you, us Red out. Dragon. They were very great. Cheers. I love this place. See you next week. There you go.